Friends, welcome to another episode of Making Disciples. I'm so pleased that you are here with me today. This episode is going to be a chat with a friend of mine, Kathy Madavan. She's been on the podcast before. She's a writer, she's a speaker, she's a great friend of mine. And we're going to be talking about how to cope with disappointments, uh, particularly in light of this l- second lockdown that we've got with COVID. And we're going to be talking a little bit about, about how to care for ourselves uh, in this crisis that we are in. So I hope you find this really helpful. She's an inspiring person. She has such a great testimony of how God has worked with her and through disappointment in uh, her and her family's life. So she's credible and uh, she really loves the Lord. So I hope you find this episode with Kathy inspiring and uh, really joyful. Kathy Madavan, welcome back to Making Disciples. You are the only individual that's made it onto the podcast three times. Oh my gosh. This it's is like the a, it's 67th like... episode <laughs> and you've made it on three times. Nobody else has done that. So thank All you. All the best things are trilogies, aren't they? <laughs> Toy Story and um, I'm trying to think of other film trilogies now. But yeah, great. Sequels are bad. Yeah. Speed 2, awful. Tremors 2, awful. Sister Act 2, awful. But the third one is always good. I don't even know how many Star Wars films there are, but you can tell me, so... Oh, there's more than three. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Kathy, um, I love talking with you because you are very honest. You're a disciple of Jesus. It's very honest. You don't give the Christian platitudes. Uh, You don't... uh, Some church leaders are very good at spieling out Bible passages. Uh, You are just very honest. Uh, you're riddled with Jesus, but you're very honest. How are you coping? Uh, we're now in this lockdown version two. How are you doing? Oh, thanks for that, Chris. I think I've received enough Christian platitudes over the year to put me off for life. So um, it's, um, it is good to be authentic, isn't it? And to be real and to be, you know, just genuine. Because I don't think, I don't think God requires from us that we have some impressive impressive glossy answer to all the stuff that's going on at the moment and I mean it has been a hard year I think it's been a lot of disappointment in our family Mm. actually um our daughter graduated and her job kind of got deferred by two years our other daughter went to university and was effectively locked in a room um and then you know for Mark and I uh, he's a church leader and we were due to have a sabbatical and to be away and instead of that, he's had to spend the year like every church leader, adapting like crazy. And as an itinerant in ministry, my um, my work basically disappeared overnight. So, you know, it's definitely been a year of adaption. It's been tough. And going into this lockdown again, it's a bit like, oh, my gosh. But you just, you know, you're not alone. And there are people everywhere facing these different challenges. And we, we are really in it together, aren't we? Mm. I think that's um, one of the passages that I found really helpful is from Paul when he says, um, run the race to get the prize. We're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And I love the idea of running this race in this pandemic. And we're not running a hundred meter. We're not running a a thousand meter. We're running a marathon. And this year feels like a marathon. Therefore, we're changing our pace. We're going a little bit slower. We're changing what feeds us. But yet we are surrounded by people. And I love it. You know, he's actually talking about Abraham and Isaac and Esther and Ruth and, you know, Mary. And he's talking about all these incredible biblical characters. But also we have a great cloud of witnesses around us that are friends 
cheering us on. I think that's one of the things I found the most helpful, you know, messages from friends just saying, how are you doing? Cheering you on, doing a great job. I think we need that, don't we? We need to have people around us who are cheering us on. Yeah, I I really really agree with that. You know, I find it really interesting. I was I was um, doing a bit of research for uh, a book earlier in the year, and I was thinking about the word courage, and it's from the French word. It's courage is cour, um, which means heart. So to be to be courageous is to have to, to be able to take heart, and I love the, the fact that there are these two prefixes to the word courage. There's en courage, which is to give you courage, and there's discourage, which is to remove. Uh, courage and I think in this incredibly difficult time where mm. so much resilience is required we have the power to discourage to remove courage from people around us or we have the possibility of encouraging of giving them courage and I think there is an epidemic you know a shortage of encouragement at the moment we need rather than just comparing and contrasting what our workplaces, what our churches, what our leaders, what our preachers, what our friends are doing online and just critiquing, we just got to get into that place where we find the good and offer encouragement because I tell you, the discouragement is coming thick and fast and you almost have to counteract it with more encouragement than discouragement if you're going to keep any courage in the bank. Do you know what I mean? I have had to really, so I will, you will not see me generally anyway but you will not see me particularly at the moment placing anything on there criticizing the government criticizing healthcare, criticizing friends criticizing theology I have said to my congregation let's make our Instagrams our Twitters our Facebook's just positive stuff creative stuff cheering stuff because we we I've, i'm in a bunch of evangelical church leader kind of facebook groups and my lord i've had to silence those conversations because i just think it's the most unhelpful people going on watching other church leaders sermons i'm like my please don't watch mine um i like a good bit of heresy you know one gener generation's heresy is <laughs> next generation's saint um that's not true. Um, but yeah, we want to put a positive, we need to put some positivity back in. And I think that's the biblical, uh, what, what do we see Christ doing in the Sermon on the Mount? Yes, there's teaching. And what, do we, and what do we see Paul doing? Like Paul, who I mean, you already um, referred to, who so much of the New Testament is written from in less than ideal situations, all of those captivity letters, where he is in less than ideal circumstances, not mm. plan A, not plan B, probably not even plan C. And yet he's, and that you see him saying all the time, and yet the disciples are being bolder. And yet the gospel is going into the heart of the Roman empire. And yet, yeah. and it's kind of almost like, well, and I'm not, I'm not advocating kind of blind denial and just pretending everything's fine and put on your happy face and positive thinking. But what I'm saying is where there are things to be affirmed, where there are things to be encouraged, where there are things to highlight that are good, not to deny the challenges um, because mm. they are real and that's important to acknowledge. Mm. But there are things to affirm. And, and I think public is good, but I also think just private texts of encouragement and saying, you know, thanks for that sermon. I know, I know so many church leaders are working for hours and hours and hours at home and maybe get one text of encouragement on a Sunday. It's like... Mm come on we can 
we can just say thank you for stuff we can be positive and not just that the teachers the doctors the nurses the people we know who are just doing a good thing right now looking after their kids whatever it is let's just be positive if we can mm. really because we need it don't we i know i do mm. can we just talk about paul for a moment then so i'd love to just read from 2 corinthians 4 and it's a verse that has been on my mind uh in previous weeks it says this from 2 corinthians 4 7 um but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that his all-surpassing power is from god and not from us we are hard pressed on every side but but we are not crushed perplexed but not in despair persecuted but not abandoned struck down but not destroyed we always carry around in our body the death of jesus so that the life of jesus may also be may be revealed in our bodies i love that crushed battered bruised isolated but yet christ is still doing something amazing um how how do we kathy uh what does that look like in our everyday life and how do we make sure that we don't allow things to crush us how do we know uh, you know christ is the one that is holding us and supporting us well, I mean, you've, you, you probably know this, but you've picked my favourite verses in the entire Bible. It's what a couple of my books are based around. So it's, it's my favourite verse. There's a message version that says, you know, it says struck down, but not destroyed. I think the message mm. says you are knocked down, but not knocked out, which I just love, you know, and it goes on to say, and because of this, because we have this treasure in jars of clay, we do not lose heart. Our outer self might be wearing away, but our inner self's being renewed day by day. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. And I just think for this season, 2 Corinthians 4 is, is just the most incredible passage on resilience, on knowing where our hope is found. You know, somewhere else in the Bible, in Proverbs or Psalms, where, where is it? I can't remember. It says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. Mm. And I think we have had so much hope deferred in this season. We've had so much disappointment. But I think the reason is often that our hope is in our jars. It's in like the exterior stuff. It's in our circumstances, in our success, in our identity that's built up in our workplace or in our role or in our income or whatever it is. And so we, we focus on our jars, we compare jars, we show other people how fabulous our jars are. But this passage just says, actually, your jar's made of clay. It's fragile, it gets broken, it gets cracked. But actually the treasure, the hope is in Jesus. So if our hope is in the treasure in the jar, then we won't have our hope as easily deferred. It won't mm. be as easily disappointed if we're putting our hope in the right thing and this is a time of stripping away isn't it where some of that stuff that we present to the world that we present to ourselves and maybe we even present to god like some of that stuff is being stripped away and we're, we're back to looking at what we really treasure like mm. what do we really value what do we really care about and our hope won't be as deferred if we can find the riches in in that i think that mm. would be my hunch i love that I um, I try to untangle. Paul is very tangled, isn't he? The way Paul writes is quite tangled. <laughs> up. I try to untangle it. Um, so yeah. I, I've tried to pull it out. Uh, so it's the passage essentially says, when we are hard pressed, confused, and persecuted, it says that Jesus says that we are not crushed, not in despair, and we're not abandoned. I love that. Um, when when we're pressed, confused, and persecuted, 
because of Christ in us, we are not crushed, we're not in despair, and we're not abandoned. And I think it's really important that abandoned, we're not abandoned. Even though our jars are cracked, Mm. even though our mental health may be cracked, even though we're fraying at Mm. the edges. Um, I was honest with you uh, before we went live that last night we did church on Zoom and about 20 minutes before uh, we did the Zoom service, I'm running around tidying my study and I'm packing things out of camera's sight. So at least my study looked, you know, we want to present I'm doing all right, but yet our homes are in chaos right now. But what we're seeing on the camera looks, you know, looks really pristine. And um, we are being stretched emotionally, mentally, physically. Uh, We are being crushed, but I love that promise uh, that we are not abandoned. Christ has not abandoned his church. Christ has not abandoned his people. We've got, we've got to get our head around that theology, haven't we, Chris? Because I think we've got a really good theology often of, of, of miracles and moments, mm. but we don't often have a great theology of process and of suffering and of perseverance and endurance. And yet mm. the Bible is packed full of stories, full about perseverance and endurance. It's a very, very biblical theme. So sometimes because we haven't really grappled with this theology, we feel that if life is bad, that must mean that God is bad or that maybe we failed. Maybe we've been told that we don't have enough faith that we haven't prayed hard enough, or we've been given a theology that says that God, you know, is like a kind of like provision box in the sky who answers all your prayers when you, when you ask him with lots of proof text to prove it. And actually the, the reality is that we haven't fallen off God's agenda or failed in our faith. Mm. If life is challenging, we are just, we are just part of the human existence that has always been that case throughout history and definitely throughout the entire Bible. We are joining with saints who've had to discover as Paul did Christ in us, the hope of glory to live is Christ, but to die is gain to know him in his sufferings. You know, it's quite a sacred thing to invite God into the messiness and Mm. go, you know, I need you here. Like I can't do this on my own, on my own. I will just crack. But if, if actually I can do this with you, I know there is hope. I will get through this and I might even get through this stronger in the sense that I'll know you more my problems might not all go away it might not all be fixed but if I come out of this knowing my creator better if I come out of this with a deeper sense of humility and dependence and um, empathy empathy with others going through stuff then that that would be amazing and God would be glorified and that's Mm. got to be our goal I think as disciples Mm. Seen two things happen during this last seven, eight months with Christians. Um, I talk about my church in East London. We've seen those who have fallen into fear. And the danger with fear is we make God too small. The other crew have fallen into being superheroes. Uh, because I've got Jesus, I can't get COVID. I don't need to wear a mask. And this inflated not God. It's not that they're making God bigger. They're making them. It feels like they're making themselves bigger. I don't have to care about this stuff because I'm immune. Because Jesus makes me immune. Actually, both of them are poor theology. Uh, Christ says there's no need to fear, whilst at the same time also says there will be persecutions and hard times that will come. There's a middle. There's a middle road of resilience where we hold our fears and we hold ourselves in Christ. 
And so I want to, I want to ask you just around, um, how do we keep on going when life is tough? What are the tips that you have for staying in that place where we're trusting Jesus, we're holding on to him, but yet we are being battered and hard pressed on every side? How do we keep going? Well, I, th I just really resonate with what you've said there. I think we've identified red, amber and green people and, you know, and they have exactly you know as you've said really and that nuance in the middle often as a leader you're kind of the amber person in the middle basically annoying everyone um mm. <laughs> telling the red people come on we can do this telling the green people to just maybe tone it down a bit um but yeah i i, I resonate with that and in both in both irrepressible and digging for diamonds my two books these this is the kind of stuff that i dig into quite a lot about mm. resilience um irrepressible less stuff about faith digging for diamonds more about faith um but they are both in a sense coming back to the truth that we are an accumulation of what we believe and our and our habits how we practice our beliefs so we're both our you know we're our orthodoxy we're what we believe but we're actually our praxis as well we're what we do as well as what we believe and i think sometimes we have to come back to the author we have to come back to the theology what we believe mm. if we want it to influence what we do and so i would say a lot of resilience in this season has to be digging a bit deeper into our faith turning up the volume on the bible putting those wonderful daily habits in of prayer and of contemplation of reading of just getting out into nature whatever the ways are that you connect with god in order for that to influence our our practice sometimes we want to have a kind of transformation of what we do but we we haven't dug mm. the foundations in order for that to happen and i would just say for one one small like really practical tip for me is focusing on what i can do and not on what i can't do there are so many things at the moment our limitations are galore you know disappointment as we've said but there are things I can do. So what is the next right thing that I can do today? Mm. Like what one thing, you know, I love in, in Philippians, Paul talks about the stuff he's going through, but then he says, this one thing I do, fixing my eyes on Jesus, you know, looking, looking ahead, pressing on towards the goal. And I, I love the fact that Paul had said, well, this one thing I can do, there's all these things I can't do, but this one thing I can do and is there one conversation we could have is there one daily habit that we could put in place is there one kind of like positive affirmation we could write on our mirror mm. for the morning about God's love for us is there one person we could text today what is the because there's so many things we can't do but I think there is a sense if we can get some agency in ourselves and, re and remind ourselves that there are things that we can do today to show compassion to others, to show compassion to ourselves. Mm. There is, there are things mm. that, they might be very small and in another season, it might not seem like a big win, but in this season it is. And so we just need to do that. One of the things that I found um, really helpful in lockdown because everything's been online. All of my meetings have been online, which means I've got evening meetings online. And the way Zoom finishes, you kind of go awkwardly, right, I'll, I'll go now, bye. And um, what I've been doing on an evening is on my computer, I've got a card with night prayer on it. And it's just a, an Anglican tradition. Before the ending of the day, creator of the world, we pray that you with steadfast love would keep 
your watch around us while we sleep. It's a beautiful prayer. And at any of the evening meetings, I've said, right, we're gonna, I'm just going to lead us in night prayer before we go now. And I've loved it. And some of the guys that I've been on Zoom with, what the heck is, what is he losing it? Uh, others have gone, oh my gosh, that was just, where did you get that from? Oh, it's just our church night prayer. Can I get that? Definitely. And I think, you know, praying in the morning when I wake up, it's been a practice that I've done. Becky and I always pray before we go to sleep. But something in that late evening that just lands the day and says, right, I'm done now. Uh, computer is off. I'm not going to think more about this. I'm now, this is, I'm off time. I found it really helpful. Um, from evil dreams, defend our sight from fears and terrors of the night. Tread underfoot our deadly foe that we no sinful thought may know. O Father, that we ask be done through Jesus Christ, your only Son, and Holy Spirit, by whose breath our souls are raised to life from death. Oh, I love it. I'm not a poet. It's wonderful. For me, it's been the one thing that just ends the day really lovely when I've been just a practice that's like and and just that just helps your your brain shift from one gear to an I love that we haven't got much longer left but I want to ask you about uh, your devotional that you um have had come out this autumn based on digging for diamonds which is a cracking book and it still is a cracking book people haven't read digging for diamonds then it is really worth getting hold of a copy um numbers of members of we've got about three on our church bookshelf because people have bought it they've read it and they wanted to lend it to others and put it on our bookshelf um because they want others to read it it's not because they've abandoned it they you know <laughs> um but you've you've created this devotional that kind of works alongside it and one of the things i love and it is about the way you write but it's also about your character you're you're amazing at seeing the diamonds in the dirt you're very good at seeing things from a slightly different perspective and you're amazing at cheering us on um so just give us the the devotional that you've had out why did you write that what was your thought behind writing it well it was really because digging for diamonds continues to be like such a catalyst in so many people's lives i've been amazed i've been humbled actually i get a message like every week at least from someone who's read digging for diamonds and they've spoken about it in so many places those verses from two corinthians feature strongly in it and that whole thing about finding treasure in the messiness of life and i do share some of our tough stuff that we've been through some of the mess in our life and i think people resonate with that actually i think they kind of like go yeah she's not just speaking theory she's sharing her own stuff too and so this devotional it's actually completely new stuff it's not rehashed mm. old stuff from digging for diamonds but we just thought we take the chapters and the themes from the original book which seem to have resonated so well and write a whole new i say we that would be me yeah. um write a whole new devotional <laughs> the royal we. Days. yeah exactly yeah we that would be me, myself, and I thought we'd write a new book. And each day's just got like a Bible reading, some thoughts from me, and then some prayers or questions at the end that, that kind of like unearth or mine, if you like, a bit more treasure, a bit more of the riches from God's word, something hopefully that will be precious to people, helpful, valuable to people um, as they kind of like unearth their own treasures in, in the messiness of their own life. So it's only a small little book and it's literally 40 days of, of readings and reflections really. And I, I hope people love it. I hope they enjoy it. And, but most of all, I just hope it's, I hope it's helpful because life is challenging. So the more stuff we can 
get into our into our brains and we can think about that will actually help us to, to focus on Jesus and move forwards in that is a good thing. If I don't eat breakfast, I will always eat crisps, chocolate, biscuits <laughs> at 11 o'clock. If I start the day with something wholesome, it sets me up well for the rest of the day. And essentially what yeah, you, you've created yeah. here, the length of it is really lovely. Uh, Bible passage and a, and a thought and some things to think about. It's the kind of thing that if somebody gets out of the shower, before they head yeah. downstairs, they could have this by the side of their bed, take it out, a little thought, and then you just ponder on that over breakfast. And it sets you up well for the day. Well, you know, I love um, Paul talks about anchoring ourselves into the Holy of Holies and anchoring ourselves to the cross of Christ. Um, what you're doing here is you're giving us some help in starting our day to anchor in with Jesus. Um, there's a book that I have by Dietrich Bonhoeffer that is a, oh. it's 365 days a year. And a few years ago, I did it and then I put it down. And a couple of years later, I came back and I did it again. And this is the kind of thing that you could do for 40 days, put it down for a few months and then come back to, can't you? Because it, the truths well, yeah. within it and are... Also, there's, there's questions at the end as well. And I, I often find with my books, because I always put questions at the end, because I think our most important learning isn't what we read, it's what we do with what we read. Mm. So I always put questions at the end of things. And I have a lot of people say they read through the first time, but then they go through a second time with a journal and they begin to really um, unpack those yeah. questions. And that's where the transformation begins to really, that, that, that really takes place. And I, I think you're right. I think my favorite books yeah. I've read over and over. I mean, you are what you eat, yeah. you know, like you said. And the trouble is we're discipling ourselves all the time through yeah. Netflix and through whatever. And then that's not all bad. And I don't mean to indicate it is, but we actually have to make sure that we are also well, nourishing ourselves with good stuff. What's, let's be very honest. We've, we're very good at self-feeding on Netflix, but we expect <laughs> our church leaders to feed us our spiritual stuff. And Come we've, we've failed to step up and actually become uh, self-feeders spiritually. Um, yeah. So things like this are gifts to us because we need to learn to daily self-feed, not being a consumer, but being a disciple, a follower, which means taking some oh. responsibility for ourselves. And that's why I, uh, I, you know, anything like this, I just think is a, is a helpful gift for us as a church to self-feed. Well, and you've written so much stuff like this too, Chris. And, you know, so many people have benefited from the, you know, the making disciples stuff and this podcast, you know, I just think your faithfulness in that has been extraordinary you know and you've got a laser focus on helping to make disciples who make disciples people who actually walk their own walk and like you said don't expect someone else to walk it for them yeah. we've, we're called to be followers aren't we not just watchers yeah. um, or consumers we're yeah. called to be followers so I know we've both got a passion to, to, to follow alongside people mm. you know to walk with people and to do whatever we can to to help oh, well Kathy um please know that we'll be ordering some copies of this for our congregation. Uh, one of the things I'm doing yeah. at the moment is uh, I'm trying to gift things to my congregation to help them through rather than giving them online content. I'm trying to give them gifts. So this week we're delivering a candle and a little prayer card, just trying to give people the things that they need to do their own spiritual disciplines. Um, it's wonderful. It's well, I think we're trying to help. We recognized, I think with lockdown that, uh, that there is a bias towards consumption and uh, at any moment a church pastor could 
could cark it. And suddenly the church is left, like, what do we now do without the leader? And actually, the, the leader, we just, we've got to get out of the way and get Jesus in there to everyone's home because we want that relationship to be tied up with him, not with our particular churches. So we're just trying to do whatever we can to um, give people the tools that they need to be disciples. I love that, Chris. That's amazing. I really love that. Where can people get copies? Where can people connect with you? Uh, Where can people tweet you and that kind of thing? Well, I mean, there is only one Kathy Madavan in the world. So if you Google that, you will find all my social media. And I've got a website, kathymadavan.com. Or actually, because of all my events being cancelled, I always have a lot of stock of books at home this year, which is that I've bought, which is slightly distressing. So I'm also posting to people direct, which I don't normally do. So they can always message me if they don't want to buy on um, eden.co.uk. It's a great website for books, better than Amazon for the publisher um uh, but uh, but yes i'm sure if people want to find me i'm pretty easy to find kathy thank you so much for your time love chatting with you love your honesty and uh, oh, really love appreciate hanging out what you, with you chris always always love hanging out with you bless you thank you until next time grace and peace grace and peace